We're going to go into our time of uh, reading scripture. Today's scripture comes from Leviticus chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. We're going to be reading in the ESV, and we invite you to read along with us. You can find a, uh, a Bible, if you have a Bible, or uh, a Bible app that's handy. Uh, if not, just know we're going to put it up here, so no worries. But we'll give you a second to find that. Again, it's Leviticus chapter 1, it's towards the beginning, verses 1 through 9. All right, may the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when any of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons, the priests, shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat, on the wood that is on the fire on the altar, but its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, friends, uh, today uh, we are continuing our sermon series where we're talking about how do we build this firm foundation of faith. A lot of that we, we've been going through is how do we read this Bible? You know, and, and there's so much in the Bible. It's a collection of so many books. And it does seem like there are times where we don't really know how to make sense of it, especially uh, the Old Testament oftentimes. And, you know, we've been talking about uh, the importance of the law and just, you know, it, it seems like there is an importance to it, right? Uh, but we want to read this from the perspective of Christ followers, New Covenant people. How do we read this in terms of the new covenant? So uh, the past few weeks, I've been sharing this picture, and it's just, you know, it's the law, like literally written on a heart. And, and so what we are interested in is how do we become the people of God? I, I want us to um, revisit something that I've been talking about the last couple of weeks, and, and because I, I want to clear up any confusion that there may be. I've been saying this thing the past couple of weeks that uh, the Bible is all true. Right? It's all equally true. But the Bible is not equally weighted, or it shouldn't be equally weighted. And I don't want us to misunderstand that. I mean, you know, part of the reason why I said that is because I think if we don't understand that, then we may use the Bible in a way that perhaps it wasn't meant to be used. We pick and choose. We use it to reinforce what we want to believe rather than understanding the whole story of the Bible and what God is trying to do. And so there may be some passages that point us in that direction more than others. But I, I do want to emphasize the, the, the other point that I made um, that maybe we can you know, sort of gloss over is that the Bible, it's all true. It's all important. There's no part of the Bible that isn't important. You know, so I'm not saying, I'm not giving us any justification to throw any of it away. In fact, when you look at... Um, when it comes to the law, I, I want to read for you. Uh, we're not going to put this up here, but uh, in Matthew chapter 5, and um, it's talking about, so this is uh, Jesus's most famous sermon, his longest sermon that we have. Uh, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, oftentimes we call it. And there's this part in Matthew 5, uh, 17 and on. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, not a single part of this law will pass from the law until all it is, uh, from, until all is accomplished. 
Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And so, friends, there is this sense in which we are not meant to just dismiss the law. That's what a lot of us do. You know, we, we read it and we're like, ah, okay, but this doesn't apply to us anymore. And so we just pass it by. I want to be clear about what Jesus means by coming to fulfill it, right? So uh, he's not coming to abolish it, like just be like, none of this matters, right? But we, we've been talking about the idea of fulfilling is, is filling out something, right? Do you ever feel fulfilled in your job? It's not less, it's more. Right? There's a sense where you feel full. Your heart is full when, when you do a good job. You feel fulfilled, you know, because you connect to your purpose or whatever, right? It makes you feel alive. And so in that sense, the fulfillment of the law doesn't mean like, okay, we're done with this. It means that it, it has achieved its ultimate purpose. And we've been talking about this. The ultimate purpose is to become the people of God, right? Now, I do want to be clear. So some of the stuff you may be thinking, but Pastor Steve, we don't follow all of the law, at least not like legalistically, right? Not to the letter. And and so he says, uh, I want to emphasize this part, 18, truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Now, some people take this as, okay, Jesus died on the cross, this sacrificial atonement, Now it's all accomplished. Now it all passes away. No, it is fulfilled. It's filled out to its ultimate purpose. So everything in the law, it's, uh, we're going to talk about this in a moment, but it's like a shadow. It is pointing the way to the completion that comes in Christ, right? But the thing is, you know, the way Jesus emphasizes this is like, you can't dismiss any of this. And so when we read the Old Testament, when we read passages like Leviticus, I mean, this is what we read today, and I wanted to read it because Leviticus is, for many people, one of the most difficult books to read. You know, a lot of people, they're just kind of humming along, reading the Bible, and they're reading these stories about how God created the world and saved his people and created his people, and you're like, wow, this is great. And then you get to Leviticus, and it's like, you know, like, whoa, what is all this stuff with like sacrifices, you know? And, and what is all this stuff that we don't do, right? You've never seen me sacrifice a bull <laughs> at the front of LGM and spill blood everywhere and, you know, like smear the entrances of LGM with blood, right? Like you've never seen me do that. And we don't do that. But it's important. And, and it, it is pointing to something. And we have to understand what that is. And so, friends, um, you know, uh, uh, once it is accomplished, though, right, our relationship to the law might change, right? So, so I want to be clear. It's important, but it's pointing the way to a better kind of sacrifice. So, so we're going to talk about that in a moment. But so when we're talking about this idea of becoming the people of God, right, and 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 you know, having the raw law written on our hearts. And, and this idea that, you know, uh, Christ has come to fulfill something. And so we know that this passage, it, 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 there's this part about sin, right? When you commit a sin, it creates a separation between you and God. And so therefore, you know, uh, uh, we, we, we have these sacrifices so that we can be close to God again. And also, there's this part where we're supposed to become God's people. And, you know, if we're becoming God's people, then we shouldn't be sinning. So, again, fulfilling should be better. It should be filling things out, more complete. So I have a question for you. Do you think Christians under the new covenant, do we sin less than when we were under the old covenant? So remember, it's fulfilling, not abolishing, not getting rid of, not, not just pretending like it's not there. And so there's all these laws in the Old Testament. Again, we're not supposed to like legalistically follow them, but there's still a heart and there still is this idea of sin. If you want to know what sin is, I'm just going to give you just a working definition. 
It is what separates you from God, what is not of God. When we do these things that are selfish or do these things to hurt people, this isn't what God would want. Do these things that cause us to not be close to God anymore by our actions because we are not doing the things that are of God. That is sin. And we probably all sin every day. And one of the things that I think a lot of us notice is that uh, Christians just don't seem to really take sin seriously anymore. Could it be because of the way we interpret the law now? We're like, yeah, we don't need to do this anymore. Oh, yeah, Jesus died for us, and it becomes a catch-all. It becomes this way of saying all of the other stuff doesn't matter anymore. And so because Jesus died for sin once and for all, we're very, very flippant about it. And so this isn't, I mean, you know, you've probably wondered this, but... I was watching this uh, uh, like panel discussion with these famous uh, uh, Christian pastors and evangelists, and one of the questions from the crowd was, why don't Christians care that they sin? Maybe you've been wondering this. I think the world is wondering this, right? And, and, and there's consequences to this, brothers and sisters. We lose our witness, or the way that the, the Jesus puts it, we lose our saltiness. We're not really shining like a light, you know? We we should look different as Christians, right? In our love and in our character, you know, which translates to not sinning, but then doing the things of God, right? It's not just about not doing bad things, but, you know, that's preventing us from doing the things that are truly selfless and truly of God, right? Why don't we see more of that? Why are there so many people who look at Christians and we're like, yeah, you say all this stuff, you say you believe in all this stuff, but your life... You know, you just kind of do whatever you want, right? Why don't our lives actually reflect what it says in Scripture? Why don't we care that we sin? And so uh, Alistair Begg, uh, who's a pastor, um, he, he, he tried to answer this. And so um, he's kind of quoting from uh, 1 Corinthians here, but he says, shall I take my body and join it to a prostitute? So that wasn't the question. The question was, why don't Christians care that they sin? But he's trying to make a point. He says, what kind of question is that? Shall I take my body and join it to a prostitute? That's a question for a Christian because the Christian has been united with Christ. The Christian is in union with Christ. The reason is that the believer does not understand the notion of union with Christ. And when we don't understand what it means to be united with Christ— then all we'll be left with is either legalism on the one hand or lawlessness on the other hand. And so this idea of, like, if you are united with Christ, close to God, then our relationship with sin should change, right? I want to try to explain this because this is the heart of what we're talking about today, right? We are talking about atonement. And the idea of atonement, uh, you see it in the word, atone, at one. We are trying to become at one with God. No separation, no separation at all, right? But this is the problem. Many of us, we have so much separation, right? And brothers and sisters, I'm going to share kind of a, it's kind of a silly story, but, you know, we, we know what separation looks like. You know, because we're, we're in coronavirus and we're like, you have to be six feet apart from each other, right? But have you ever noticed how weird it is that the pictures that we take now? You know, if you're truly six feet apart, man, it's weird, you know? Um, so so this, this is, you might be like, Pastor Steve, why are you sharing this? This is a weird story. But uh, when I was in Korea, <laughs> I, I, so you may not know this, but I used to be a huge K-pop fan. Korean pop music. The new stuff, I'm, I'm, you know, not as familiar like Blackpink and BTS, but back in the day, there's this group called Finkel. And they were like kind of the Blackpink of the day. Uh, It's a terrible acronym. It stands for Fine Killing Liberty. I have no idea what that means. But (laughs) Finkel or Pinkle, I guess. Uh, But uh, I was in Korea. I was in college. And there was a friend of mine who was in uh, Korea and just called me up one day and was like, hey, Steve. Do you like, uh, you know, K-pop? And I'm like, yeah, kind of. But I, I love K-pop, right? So, but I didn't want to say that. Right? I was just playing a call. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. 
It's like, hey, um, you know, my, my uncle works for uh, SBS, which was one of the networks, and um, you know, uh, me and my cousin were going to go to this uh, uh, this this show. It was called Inky Gayo. I don't know if they still have that now. Do they still have it? Yeah. And so, you know, like we went there and, and I saw like all these like, like little girls, right? <laughs> like all these little girls, a lot of them in school uniforms, they had like balloons and posters. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be so out of place here. But they're like, no, 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 we're not going to go to the main show. We're actually going to go to the rehearsal because afterwards, in between the rehearsal and the show, we get to go backstage, right? That was the coolest part. And so we got to go backstage and meet these people. We're taking these pictures and then we get to Finkel. Right? Who I'm like a big fan of. And, you know, I, I just kind of like, like I, I, you know, my friend was like, uh, my, my friend who's, who happens to be a, a woman, uh, but just was like, oh, wow, you know, they're, they're really good looking. And I was like, oh, you see that one in front? Name's Shorty. <laughs> you guys know Shorty? There's like a Shorty bed and breakfast. But back in the day, Shorty was like the Beyonce, right? She was like the, man, she was like big time. Like now, not, not as much, but. Back then, man, it was like, Shorty. I was like, oh, yeah, like that girl. Oh, man, she's so cute, right? And, and, and so we go backstage. We meet all these people, and they're about to go back and actually film the show. And so we get to Finkel, and it's the last group. And, and they're like, okay, you can only uh, meet one member of Finkel. And all of us at the same time were like, Shorty. We, we all want to meet Shorty. And so we go there, and my friend, who doesn't really speak Korean, but just in this broken Korean, says, uh... Uh, which means my friend likes Hyori. Uh, like, can he take a picture with Hyori? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. So, so I get to go take a picture with Hyori, right? And um, everyone who sees this picture always says the same thing, right? They always have the same reaction to it. So, so you'll notice, like, this is a very American thing. I, I, maybe it is Korean, too. When you take a picture with someone, like, seriously, if you ever see anyone's Instagram, they just meet a random celebrity on the street, and they take a picture with them. Now it's a selfie, so you can't really tell. You have to get close. Anytime you take a picture, right, like, you've just met this person. You would never, like, even go up to that person, like, touch them. That's, like, a big no-no. But when you take a picture, what do you do? So everyone notices the picture with Hori. Like, I have my arm around her. Right? And, and so everyone asked me the same thing. They're like, dude, is your, are you touching Jody? Right? And so, so, so this is the truth. So what happened was like, yeah, it's a very natural instinct, right? I went to take a picture. They're like, oh, okay, bali, bali, hurry, hurry. Like, you know, we got to film the show. And so I, I go up to her and I go like this and I put my arm around her. And then for a second, I'm like, it's Jody. I can't touch her. Like, someone's going to like tackle me. You know, so my arm is like, like, I don't know if you guys can see, but this is like her back, and then my arm is like this. It's like hovering, you know? And so it's just like this. And, you know, whenever I tell the story, everyone's like, oh, Pastor Steve, do you have the picture? And I have it right here. I, actually, I don't have it. I don't know where it is, guys, because I'm married. Come on. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, Aaron. <laughs> I'm married now, guys. I don't know where the picture is. But, you know, like, like we meet these people, and we're like, oh, you know, there's like a distance that we feel, you know? But this is the thing. If you've ever seen a picture with anyone, even in coronavirus times, we're all so careful about distance. But when people still take a picture, they still get close, right? You know, like seriously, look at any picture of someone that you're supposed to be close to, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, your brother, your sister, right? And if there's any space between you, like literally any space, it could be just an inch, it's weird looking, isn't it? It's weird. Yeah, like someone will see that picture, there's only an inch between you guys. But then, you know, people are like, dude, do you not like your boyfriend, <laughs> right? Are, were you guys fighting, right? It's weird. There's not supposed to be any separation. But there are many people that we don't want to be close to. There are many reasons for this. You know, I, I know sometimes like, like, you know, as a pastor or, you know, I don't know, like teachers or there are certain authority figures that, you know, we don't really want to be super close to them. You know, maybe like as a kid, I, I don't know, like probably if my pastor came to sit with me during the service, I'd be, I'd like be like, oh, excuse me, I got to use the restroom, <laughs> go to the back, you know? I, I, I know that there's people who, they don't want to be close to this authority figure because they don't want that person to see what they're doing. They're like a little embarrassed, you know? 
um, it, like, like uh, you know, th- there's times where you don't want to sit close to your parents because, you know, I don't know, if you're in church or whatever, you don't want to, them to see what you're doing on your phone, right? You, you want to be distant, you know? And, and there is this distance that exists between us and God. And it is because of something, sin. Remember what Alistair Begg said. The purpose of, uh, like, like the reason why we sin is because we're not in union with Christ, right? What is union? Like, literally, you're getting so close to that person. It's not just close, but you're, you're like this, right? Union. You know, we, we know what union is supposed to look like in marriage, Right? With people you're really close to, there's not supposed to be any separation. Right? This is what God desires. This is the purpose of atonement. So if you understand that, then passages like the one in Leviticus, they read different. Right? So take a look at this. So let's actually read the passage. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish, something excellent, right? He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that he may be what? Accepted before the Lord. Yes, remember all the stories that we said where people were so scared, so frightened of the presence of God because they knew God was holy. And if you had sin and you stood in the presence of God, if you actually saw God, or if you, you know, God forbid, actually touched God or touched a thing of God, you would die, right? And so if you remember when we read the Ten Commandments, it talks about, you know, this, this law that we are supposed to obey, right? The way the passage ends with the people of Israel, like seriously, go back, look at Exodus 20. It ends with the people of Israel huddled in the darkness. We can't get close to this God. We have to be far from God. And so there is this idea of our sin. You know, sometimes the sin, it's obvious, but sometimes it's more subtle. Maybe if there is a picture where you don't want to be like super close to somebody, you know, or if there's a time where, you know, you're talking to somebody that you love. And maybe the, the conversation, it's, it's like, it, you know, the closeness that's usually there isn't there. You know, maybe that happens when there's something between you. Now, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you, you did something to wrong that person or they did something to wrong you, right? There's this thing in between you. And it creates a tension, right? You're just not able to be as close. And that's kind of what sin does to us and our relationship with God. Remember, sin is the things that are not of God. So by definition, uh, the the Greek definition of sin is harmatia. It's an archery term. And it means to miss the mark, right? It's off. It's separated. It's not close, right? You know, the bullseye, you're right there. You're in union with God. You are doing the things of God because you are like God and you are with God, right? And people who are with another person, you start becoming like them. You can't help that. But if you're so different, if you're not doing the things that they're about, if you're actually doing things that they don't want you to do, you don't have that closeness anymore. And so when we are sinful people, and we all are sinful people, in order for us to be in the presence of God, to be accepted before the Lord, there has to be a sacrifice. And and you might be thinking, why? Why why can't God say, just come close? Brothers and sisters, because of that sin. Seriously, you can't just say, sin, just go away. It doesn't just go away. It needs to be paid for. And we all know this on a subconscious level. You know know how you know this? Because let's say someone wrongs you. They steal money from you. I don't know. Someone saw in your house you had $1,000 and they steal it. And they're like, hey, you know, can you forgive me? Like, okay, bye. And you're like, dude. Okay, now if they did that, (laughs) probably the next time you see them, you're probably not going to be super close to them probably not going to be taking pictures with genuine warmth and, you know, like, oh, you're my best buddy. There's going to be something between you, right? Let's be honest. 
right? Even if somebody just says something to you, like, like I don't know, they, they, they say something like a, a, a little biting, you know, some sarcastic remark. You know, you're like, hmm, I don't like that. The next time you're with them, you know, it's harder to be close to them. So what is it going to take? You have to remove that sin. Now, you can't go into a time machine and undo it, but doesn't it make a difference when someone makes amends? When someone's like, hey, you know, I I can't pay back the whole $1,000, but let me give you a token to show you that I really am sorry. Let me give you $100. I'll make it up to you. Right? Wouldn't that change your relationship more than just someone's like, sorry, and then, you know, like, deal with it. Yeah, you have to forgive me. Of course it makes a difference, right? There's something in the relationship that starts to get repaired that helps you to become at one. You cannot pay back when you sin. But there was this thing that, that God was trying to teach us, that there is penalty for sin. Now, I, you know, I, I don't mean to get too dark or morbid, but I mean, you know, sometimes it's not something that can be paid back. What if somebody wrongs you in a way that, like, literally, they cannot pay you back. They can't pay you back. I don't know, like, somebody, you know, God forbid, but this is just an extreme example, but someone, like, kills someone in your family. And they're like, sorry. Dude, sorry's not going to cut it. You can't bring that person back, right? Well, at least not on this plane of eternity, right? We have the resurrection and all that. But you know what I mean, right? They can't pay that back. What are we to say? That it's just okay? Just get over it? No, right? There needs to be a payment, right? And that's the idea of sacrifice. And so there is something that is lost in sin. And so the sacrifice that was paid for us to be close to God, um, if you understand that, that idea that this thing can't actually be paid, Right? And so we have, it's more than a symbol. It's an offering that we give to God. And it is, I know in our modern terms, it's hard for us to understand, but it was an actual life, not a human life, but you would take an animal. And you wouldn't just take any animal. Do you notice what it says here? A burnt offering from his herd. You would want to take it from your herd if you can. If you couldn't, then you'd have to find another offering. But the intent was, you take something of yours, something valuable, right? Back then, you know, it's like when you wanted to get married and, and you know, you're paying a bride price for your wife, the most precious thing in the world, you know what you would pay with? You'd pay with cattle, right? It was a valuable thing back then. You want to talk about a really rich person, you'd be like, oh, man, he's got so many cows, Whoa, look at that cow, you know? This is a valuable thing, right? So you take this very, very valuable thing, and you take it before God, right? And, and it's, it's supposed to be without blemish. Don't just give God the sickly cow, the one that was going to die anyways, the best one, right? And you bring it before the entrance of the tent of meeting. Why the entrance? Because you can't go in. You can't go in because of this separation, right? And so this is trying to atone. Right? He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering. So you, 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 you have to see this, brothers and sisters. You think, right? This animal, you lay your hand on its head. Why? Because this animal is dying in your place. You're not going to die, but it's an extension of you now in a way. There's a connection, right? You're touching it. Right? Do you guys get that? You know, so, so in that sense, God is trying to make a way. Do you see this? And it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him, to bring us to be one with God, right? At one mint, right? Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons, the priest, shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So again, brothers and sisters, sometimes we just, we, we, we pass by this so quickly, but like, like just think of this picture, the blood, it's splattering the walls of the entrance of the tent. Why? Because it's the blood that is securing the passageway to God, right? 
now we can be close to God, right? And so there, there's all this other stuff that's there, but we see that, that, that we burn this offering. It gets completely consumed, and we are told that this becomes a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, we don't do this anymore. Why? Not because it's not important, but partially because that is a symbol. It, it is a shadow. It is an indication of what is to come. For one, I mean, maybe God knew this, that we live in a time, uh, day and time where just not a lot of us have bulls anymore. And, and this is the way we are with the Bible. Whenever we read the Bible, we get really legalistic about it. We're like, where's a bull? Where's a bull? And remember, the bull, it was just, it was like the most valuable thing to a person. And actually, in the passage, you'll see, it's like, hey, if you don't have a bull, use a goat. You know, if you don't have one of those, then, you, you know, there's like a, 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 a priority list, you know. Bull and then this animal, and they just progressively get smaller to like a dove and like stuff like that. And so it's not about the bull itself. It's not a legalistic thing. Or at least I don't think. The heart of it, it's supposed to be you are offering something valuable to God. Right? But we look at at Hebrews chapter 10, and you're going to see that it, it draws a connection to what we were doing back then. And this is the reason why we don't do it in that way anymore. Why? Because we have a better sacrifice. It's fulfilled. So for since the law has has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifice that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Do you guys see that? None of these sacrifices are good enough. I mean, it's good. It may be your best bull, but like we said, it can never truly pay for your sin. Right? Not truly. Right? And you can sacrifice all the bulls you want. It will never make perfect those who draw near. Again, the goal is atonement. Complete unity, closeness, intimacy with God. Right? And so um, it says, otherwise... If it could, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins, right? So if this did the trick, right, if you did it once and for all, then you would have no more guilt, no more shame. And if I can stretch it a little bit, you'd really significantly lose the desire to sin. If you're in the presence of God, right, you're united with God, right? If it really worked, you know, it just, it's done. That, that's it. That's all we need to do. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. So part of the reason why we would do this is so we could remember. So we could remember that we did, that we did sin, right? And this is something that I, I want to come back to in a moment, right? And I think this is one of the reasons why Christians actually seem to take sin less light, lightly, or uh, sorry, more lightly, less seriously, um, because we misunderstand what is happening here, you know, and we lose something. We lose this reminder of our sins. So it says, consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Jesus has come to fulfill the law by completing it, by actually doing it and becoming in many ways the law for us. I know that's a lot, and there's a lot to unpack there. But just suffice it to say that there is more to fulfilling the law than just saying, we fulfilled that legal requirement. Do you see that? I'm actually able to obey it. I'm doing your word, God. Right? And, And that is the complete fulfillment of the law. And so Jesus does that for us. And so it says, um, verses uh, 8 and on, when he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second, right? So he's doing away with the system 
of sacrifices, it's not about that anymore. You know what it's about now? It's about doing the will of God, actually being able to be like God, to do the things of God, right? That's what it's about. That's the fulfillment of the law, brothers and sisters. He does away with the first in order to establish the second, and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his surface, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, which is another symbol of completion. It's done. He's sitting. He doesn't need to stand anymore because it's it's over, right? Waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet, For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. Remember, this is the new covenant. You see it here as well. Remember, we saw it in Jeremiah. We we saw it in some of these other passages in the Old Testament. We see it again here. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. We don't need to do the offering anymore, friends. It's been done. You know who did it? Jesus. And Jesus did it in a way that was perfect. It fulfilled the requirements. That's why we don't do it anymore. But we don't do it anymore, not because, you know, concern for sin isn't important, right? But now, the whole goal is for us to be so close to God and the law just becoming a part of us that, of course, you're not going to sin. But, you know, some some of you are wondering, yeah, but Pastor Steve, we do. Does that mean that I'm not completely united with Christ? Well, friends, in many ways, it is a process. I want to say spiritually, and in terms of God's intent, what Jesus did is completely sufficient. You don't need to do any more. I want to be clear about this. Right? It's not like you have to expend all this effort to not sin. But the idea is that what Christ has done for us is to be close to him. And this is the thing. This is the thing that we have to do a little bit of a heart search. Maybe some of us, we actually didn't want that. Maybe it's part of the reason why we, we treat the Bible, we treat Jesus, and we, we treat uh, this new covenant the way that we do. What it has become for us um, is it's, it's just a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's just an acquittal, right? It's just a way to not feel bad for doing things anymore. Brothers and sisters, I want to be crystal clear here. You know, in what Jesus did for us, this atonement, is this idea, you are completely forgiven. Make no mistake of that. That's what it's supposed to be. But it's not just so you can do whatever you want and keep on sinning. It is so you can become at one with God and with Christ. We are not perfect. And there are many ways in which, even though Christ has completely died for our sins, that we still continue to sin. But when we do that, it shouldn't be like, oh, oh well, We should know that is contrary to the way we are supposed to be. That's a contradiction in terms. A Christian who sins, you know? And and, and one of the wonderful things is that, yes, Jesus' blood is sufficient, so you don't need to go back and kill a, 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 a ram or a bull anymore, right? But you may need to reappropriate, to, to remember again what Christ has done for you. And you can do that anytime. Right? There might be times where you're actually sitting in church or you're thinking about God and you feel that guilt and that shame because your sin is in a way, it's, you know, I mean, I don't want to get too crazy here. It's not separating you from God in all time, but it's creating that awkwardness, right? It's creating that, a little bit of that, that tension between you and God. And Jesus died to take that away too. And we need to remember that again, Right? And so part of the problem, I think, is that 
we want to run so quickly from uh, anything that, that is of sin. Because, brothers and sisters, what we don't really want is, is, is to be close to God. Because when we run from that sin, we're not necessarily running to God. And that's the problem. You can say you believe in Christ, but are you running to God? Or are you just running away from sin? It's not the same thing. And if that sin isn't dealt with, then you're always going to be running away from God. That's why we have the atonement. That's why we need it. And so for us to remember it less, like, ah, you know, I don't want to talk about that blood stuff. You know, Jesus dying for our sins. Yeah, 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 I get it, I get it. This is the part that we kind of miss from the law. And, and a wonderful thing about the law is that you would do these sacrifices routinely, ritualistically. You would do it regularly to remind you that you needed that. And so again, we don't sacrifice Jesus again, right? Jesus then doesn't need to do it again, but we need to remember it. That's actually part of the reason why we have a, a whole season dedicated to that. And one of the things in the modern church is we have lost a sense of seasons, <laughs> You know, and, and we're like, ah, we don't need to be legalistic anymore, guys. And so I, I think one of the consequences is that we, we, we just don't remember. We don't have ways to, to regularly really dwell on just how wonderful what Jesus, uh, the, the, the sacrifice uh, that, that Jesus paid for us. Just, just how, how weighty, how, how great that is. Anytime you don't want to think about it, you're like, yeah, I don't need to think about it. So in the church, we have this season called Lent. It actually starts this Wednesday, by the way. And it starts with what we call Ash Wednesday. Have you ever noticed, like, I don't know, maybe uh, some of your friends, they showed up to school or work, and they had, like, like, like stuff on their face, like ashes, you know? And just, like, like I, I remember um, I went to a Catholic high school, actually. And I, the, as, when I was a freshman, you know, everyone was walking around the halls, and they all had this stuff on their head. And I'm like hey, man, you know, you got something on your head. And they're like, dude, it's Ash Wednesday, you know? And the reason why we put the ashes, there, there's a couple of things. One is that in the beginning, if you remember, when Adam and Eve first got separated from God, do you remember what the consequence was for their sin? It was death. It says, dust you are and to dust you will return. And the ashes remind us of the dust that we are. It's the consequence of sin, is death. So we are finite creatures because of our sin, right? And so, yeah, I mean, we are not God, <laughs> you know? But also in that, um, a lot of times when people were repenting, when people um, were, were mourning or grieving their sin, they would take ashes and put it on their head to remind themselves that they were sinners. And so we have a season that begins with us putting ashes on our heads in the shape of a cross, Jesus died for our sin, the sin that separates us. And we want a visual reminder of that. As we go into Lent, you know, there, there's many things that have happened over the years. We've lost the sense of what Lent is. You know, and, and just sometimes people use it as an excuse to diet. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not going to eat sweets for, I'm like, yeah, I mean, if you want to diet, that's great. But the point of Lent is for you to remember again why we needed the cross. That's what it's about. And if there's something you can do that can help you remember that, then great. You know, I encourage it. You know, sometimes that, that's why we take away these distractions, so that we can remember what Christ has done for us. You can remember that Christ died so you can be at one with God. I'm going to ask the priest team to come up. But maybe there are these moments, you know, maybe there are ways that you can find reminders every day. This is why a lot of us, we, we spend time with God in prayer every day. So we don't forget. Man, this is just the way our minds work, our hearts work. We, we want to think that we don't need God. We want to be God without atonement. We don't want to think about our sin. We don't want to think about our brokenness. But we need that, right? We need to remember again what Christ has done for us. We don't sacrifice the bulls anymore. We don't sacrifice the goats or the lambs anymore. Jesus is the Lamb of God. I just want to take a moment. Remember, 
at least, you know, according to Leviticus, when you would go into the tent of meeting to meet with God, before you could go in, you would put your hands on the head of the bull. It's almost like, I mean, you know, bear with me for a moment, but you look into that bull's eyes and you're like, bull, thank you that you are going to die in my place. You are exchanging your life for mine. And this is what Christ has done for us, that we can be one with God. Let's just take a moment to just soak that in. And when you're ready, I just, you know, praise team's going to start singing, and uh, let's just make this song, let's make this the prayer to remember this beautiful exchange that Jesus made for us in our place.
of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of us now and forever. Amen. Go in peace, everyone. Hey, uh, before we cut out, uh, my wife, she found the picture. (laughs) She sent it to me. You guys want to see? Oh, man. Anyways, let's not end on this note. God loves you. (laughs) We love you guys. Bye, Bye, everybody. Can I see? <laughs> <laughs> Can I see? James, are we?